It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. The Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. The week's most interesting interviews with senators, commentators, and newsmakers. Giving you a replay just in case you missed it. The Guy Benson Show. GuyBensonShow.com, our website, free podcast every day. Welcome back on this Wednesday. With us now is Senator Mike Lee, Republican from Utah. He's up for re-election this year. He's also coming out with a book in June, Saving Nine, the fight against American, against the left's rather audacious plan to pack the Supreme Court and destroy American liberty, Saving Nine, the forthcoming book from Senator Lee. And it's great to have you back here, sir. Thank you very much, Guy. Good to be with you. It was very fun to see you and your lovely wife over the weekend as well. That was a pleasant surprise. You walked into the room and like, oh, it's it's Mike Lee. And then I was looking everywhere for Sharon Lee, and there she was. And I'm not saying that I like her better, but I I like her better. It's okay. It's okay, Guy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very accustomed to that, and we're, we're all huge Guy Benson fans in our home. Well, I appreciate that. Let's just start big picture. You got the vote coming up here uh, in a matter of uh, hours or days on the final confirmation, up or down, on Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson to the U.S. Supreme Court. It seems pretty clear that she'll be confirmed. Looks like it'll be 53-47 in all likelihood. Uh, without getting into the politics of it and the whip count or anything like that, well, what are your impressions of her as a nominee, and why have you chosen to oppose the nomination? All right, so let me start with the positives. I, I really like her as a person. I really think she has amazing academic qualifications and her professional qualifications uh, are impressive. The fact that she has clerked at all three levels of, this, uh, of the U.S. court system, including the Supreme Court, the fact that she has served as a judge uh, on a, the district court level, a trial court, and on the circuit court level, an appellate court, uh, means that if she's confirmed to this position, she will have served as a jurist on, at all three levels of the federal judiciary. It's somewhat unique, and that will bring important perspective. I like those things about her and many others. I will be voting against her, however, based on concerns that I have about her, juris, her jurisprudence and her judicial philosophy, concerns that I can't overcome, concerns that are rooted in her own rulings and her own writings. And so there have been some people, Senator, who say that that's like an inconsistent position. It should just be about qualification. You say she's qualified. She's an impressive person. Uh, getting hung up on the jurisprudence is uh, not fair. That's not how things at least used to be. What's your response to that? Because I feel like those days in a lot of ways uh, are gone. Certainly the other side has seen to that. Uh, but what's your uh, you know, response or reply when someone might bring up an argument like that? Judicial philosophy and jurisprudential approach are part of the qualification. There are conditions precedent to that. And so, yes, I, I'm impressed by certain features uh, of her academic and professional background. But that doesn't satisfy. It's not like a box that you check. And as long as those things are in place, as long as she has impressive things on her resume, uh, things that she would bring to the court that could be useful and helpful. That doesn't mean that she's uh, qualified, in my view. I think qualification necessarily turns on someone's 
approach. And the reason we focus so heavily on this is because of the immense power that judges and Supreme Court justices especially wield. They have the ability, they have the job to interpret federal law, statutory law, regulatory law, and provisions of the U.S. Constitution. And so unless, and they are insulated moreover in doing that job from the electoral process, from public accountability. Uh, there's a good reason why we insulate judges and justices for that. We want them making independent judgments, not based on political forces. But just the same is why it's so important that we have a confirmation process here, because we need to know what they believe and how they approach their job as jurists, how they would approach the job if confirmed to that job before we put them on there. In the case of Judge Jackson, look, she she she. She pays it at least lip service to the central ideas of textualism, of originalism, the idea that judges should interpret statutory and constitutional provisions based on the original public understanding of the text in question. So she paid good lip service to that, but ultimately she said she didn't have a judicial philosophy. Without a judicial philosophy, it's very difficult to determine what a judge will do on the bench. The judge who's got a cluttered toolbox is going to pick whatever instrument might bring about the policy outcomes that he or she desires. And so after struggling with Judge Jackson's philosophy or proclaimed lack of a judicial philosophy, we turned to a record. Now, Democrats had relied entirely on, on her record in, in claiming that it was ironclad. But unfortunately, not only did Democrats fail to produce key documents that make up substantial areas of her record, the parts of the record that we have and that they did give us are deeply concerning. She's got a history of, of ignoring the law as passed by Congress in favor of her policy decisions. In fact, she was reversed twice by the very liberal D.C. Circuit for injunctions that she placed on, uh, on administrative actions taken by the Trump administration that she happened to disagree with personally. And I believe that in both of those cases, she didn't just get the outcome wrong. I believe in both cases, she lacked jurisdiction. That's deeply troubling. And she's also got this really deeply troubling record of, of giving exceptionally lenient sentences, far below the sentencing guidelines to criminals who have been charged with sexual abuse of children or child pornography charges. She even openly stated that she disagrees with, with two of the enhancements in the guidelines, so she just didn't apply them. And then finally, when, when, when she was asked simple questions, uh, she often couldn't or, or, or would not provide adequate answers or, or, uh, or, or otherwise show her philosophy. And if these so are yeah, I, I think that's a pretty time, comprehensive case that you've just made. I mean, you've gone through, you've made the case for why you're voting no. I think it's, it's a sound case. Other people have come to different conclusions for various reasons. I do want to ask you, Senator, to react to this. It's cut 17. The chairman of your committee, Dick Durbin, uh, had this to say, listen. Take one or two situations, each of them unique in their factual circumstances, and to generalize in terms of her position on an issue of that gravity is fundamentally unfair. But we've done it, too, on the Democratic side, and I'm going to be first to admit, as I look back in history, there are things that should have been handled better when Republican nominees were before us. Okay, so number one, he's been saying that 
and this is a, a talking point on the left, that uh, Judge Jackson was treated unfairly by Republicans. The Washington Post editorial board said uh, worse than Democrats treated Brett Kavanaugh's beyond the pale, just awful stuff. Uh, just your reaction to that. And then his little comment at the end there, just admitting, well, you know, Democrats have done some unfair stuff, too, in the past, and things should have been handled better. That's certainly one way of putting it, isn't it, Senator? It is one way of putting it, and it's one way of putting it that is absolutely wrong and disingenuous. Look, uh, to compare in any way, shape, or form the way that Judge Jackson was questioned or the arguments that were made during her confirmation proceedings with what Democrats have done to Republican nominees, uh, people who have been nominated to the Supreme Court, from uh, Robert Bork to Clarence Thomas to Sam Alito to Amy Coney Barrett to Brett Kavanaugh, just to name a few, before we even get to Miguel Estrada uh, mm -hmm. or to Janice Rogers Brown. doesn't even compare. Like we, we have not engaged in the politics of personal destruction. Not one of us impugned her character. Not one of us demanded the ability to see her high school yearbooks. Not one of us accused her of, of vile personal things. We were focusing entirely on her judicial record, her judicial qualifications, her jurisprudential approach. Uh, so uh, to compare those in any way is completely disingenuous. And in fact, to compare us, to, to say that what we're doing is taking one or two cases in isolation and somehow making a mountain out of a molehill uh, is also just wildly incorrect. Reminds me of my, what my dad used to uh, uh, say when he referred to lawyers and people who don't like them. Uh, and say it's a it's a shame when you allow an entire profession to be disparaged on the basis of only eight or nine hundred thousand bad apples. Uh, <laughs> the point here is that Dick Durbin is dramatically understating the case. We're talking about every single child pornography case ever in front of her. Now, keep in mind, to call this child pornography, it do doesn't even capture it. It's, just, it's not obscenity cases. This involves the commercialized product of child sex torture. That is a very serious thing. The fact that she under-sentenced them in literally every case of that type that was ever brought before her is concerning, as is the fact that the, one of the defendants uh, brought before her, sentenced by her for these crimes, deliberately sought out and obtained images, prepubescent images, prepubescent victims uh, yeah. being subjected to this child sex torture. She sentenced them to three months the guidelines range would have put him roughly in the range of 10 years. She sentenced him to three months. That's not acceptable. And Dick Durbin he doesn't know what he's talking about if he's suggesting that these are one or two cases we're worried about here. Well, the vote is expected tomorrow, perhaps the next day, and it seems like it's a fait accompli. 53-47, that was sort of the test vote earlier. One of those nay votes, one of the no votes, is my guest, Senator Mike Lee of Utah, up for re-election this cycle. His book coming out in June is Saving Nine. Senator Lee, great to talk to you. Say hi to your wife for me, please, and we look forward to having you back very soon. Will do. Thanks so much. Good to be with you, Guy. Likewise. It's the Guy Benson Show. Quick break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. That was this week's edition of the Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.